Let me begin tonight. Um, last Wednesday, I looked at a portion of what we would call, I guess, the Christmas story. It's the birth of Jesus, and I posed the question, can he ask you? It's kind of what I titled this little short series here. It's probably going to take me to the end of the year to get done, but anyway, I want to continue. <laughs> You'll catch on. I want to continue with that same thought tonight. Um, we mainly looked at Joseph and Mary, and what a fascinating couple. When I say God asked them to do hard things, he, he sure enough did. And the repercussion and the backlash of how Jesus was born and was so obscure and unbelievable and, and can I say, scandalous. And it was just a wild story. If I were going to write how the King of Kings was going to arrive on earth, it would not have been that. There's no way I could have even conjured that story up. There's, there were so many things throughout Jesus's life that this couple endured. Uh, you know, for a moment as we begin here to get our minds all together, can, can you imagine Jesus, your son, um, powerful on one hand and, and yet was <laughs> controversial or on the other, people out to kill him and People love him, and ultimately, they crucified him. She was at the cross. Mary was at the cross. Can you imagine watching that? There's no way. God asked them to do hard things. We mainly looked at the end of Matthew 1 last week, and tonight, I, I, I'm going to talk about Luke 2 and then Matthew 2 a little bit, and Matthew 1, again, was talking about where the angel came and visited Joseph, and, and then, uh, I'm sorry, Matt, yes, Matthew 1 talks about where the angel came and visited Joseph, and then Matthew 2 starts where the wise men came to Jesus, and we'll get to that, but we're going to start in Luke 1 this time, and we're going to, this is where it tells us that the angel came and visited Mary, then Luke 2 is, I'm sorry, is where we'll begin at this part of the story that we are at from last week. 2-1, Luke 2-1 is where we'll start. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Let me just, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to, I should have scratched some of this out after I reread my notes and you know how it is. I got in the weeds a little bit too much here, but let me try my best to hurry through this. Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor. Rome was still a republic when its dictator, Julius Caesar, was assassinated in about 44 BC. And Julius Caesar had named his great nephew, Octavian, as his heir. And so Octavian won the ensuing power struggle. And 27, in about 27 BC, he turned the republic that they would have known at that time into an empire. He then became the Roman Empire's first emperor and was named Augustus by the Roman Senate because Augustus means revered one. He was a powerful, powerful man. The Roman Empire doubled under his 40-year reign until his death at about in 14 AD, AD he was 76 years of age. And, and they say that even the month of August is named after him, Augustus Caesar. It's just that he was a, a powerful dictator uh, what he said, you did, or you lost your life. That's, that's your choices there, but what he said, you did. We then see in verse 1 that this powerful dictator, he issued a decree that all the world should be taxed, and history would tell us that 
collecting taxes across such a vast and expanding empire was a problem. So he came up and possibly with some of his senate or whoever was with him, a more consistent and efficient way to collect taxes. So the government will always find a way for that. The way he figured best to do this was to tax each person uh, each province based on their population and who lived there. And of course, the population would be figured out by a census. So we'll see that in a couple, in the next couple of verses about this census. But there, there are other historical writings that tell us Caesar Augustus, uh, Augustus ordered three different censuses, and this happened to be the first one in, they re, would say, about 8, A, B, 8 BC. A peculiar thing, however, about Luke 2 1. It says this decree was made for all the world to be taxed. Caesar didn't rule all the world. But to the Romans, the Roman Empire was all the world. <laughs> and before we point our fingers too fast, we have professional ball teams, and they're at the end we call it the what? World Series, it's not. But it's all the baseball that matters to us, so we call it the World Series. <laughs> So the Roman Empire, he wanted all the world to be taxed. Well, it wasn't all the world, but it was enough of the world for him. That's all he cared about. So Luke 2, 2, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. This verse, again, kind of gives a time frame, and I won't go into that in this study tonight. Let's, so let's look at verses 2, uh, 3 through 5. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own country. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because Joseph was of the house and of the lineage of David. He went there to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, and she was great with child. Her due date was very, very near. Now think of this. They tell me, again, I, I had to do, I just did research, so if people are lying to me, don't blame me. I've not been there. But they say Bethlehem is about 68 miles south of Nazareth. And Judea is at a higher elevation than Galilee. So some would say that that's why it says he, he went up from Galilee into Judea. It was kind of an uphill trajectory, and it was some 68 miles all the way. That's 68 miles if they did a straight shot. Because Samaria was in there, and a lot of Jews detoured around Samaria... Many Jews did that, so it would have been several more miles added to their little trek. And then the next question is, how'd they get there? Well, they took the train. No. <laughs> they Ubered it. Oh, they wished. How'd they get there? Here's the thing. Riding on a donkey back then was like riding in a luxury car. It was the rich rode on donkeys, and on other, on other types of animals, while everyone else, including the poor, they walked. This is one of those things that because of pictures and just traditions, thoughts over time, that Mary rode a donkey or some sort of animal, that's not really shared in Scripture. She could have, but the probability is pretty low because they were very, very poor people. Because if we jumped ahead, when they presented Jesus at the temple, they did not bring a lamb. They couldn't afford that, so they brought the alternative, which I think was some sort of birds. And so that's what they did there. So it would have been feasible that she could have, I guess, but more probability was that she walked. Hmm. 
Either way, riding on a donkey, riding, I don't care what she rode on, what kind of animal, or walking some 68 miles of rough terrain, sort of in an uphill incline, would have been difficult for any of us, but it was extremely difficult because she was expecting, very soon expecting this child. They had to go to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's hometown, which was called the city of David because where King David was born and raised. And Luke 2, 6 through 7, let's move on to those verses. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We don't know how long they were in Bethlehem before she had Jesus, but we do know she was in Bethlehem, and we do know she was not in a hospital. But this, again, is where there's a whole bunch of controversy because we weren't there, and it's hard to sometimes distinguish what the words actually meant in the times and when it's translated into uh, for us. This verse tells us that Mary laid Jesus in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Some would argue that that word inn there is more like an upper room or maybe a, a guest room in a house. Those who would say Jesus was not born in some remote stable or cave or barn or out back with the animals believe that since Joseph was of, from Bethlehem, he would have had to just go to a door and start knocking and said, I'm Joseph, who's my dad, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, my great-great-grandpa. And the family would have said, it would be, it would be uh, unconscionable for the family to reject that. They would have brought him into their house. No one would have turned them away. Now again, everybody was coming in for a census, so the house could have been full, but... Also, we have to understand the houses were built much different. The best way I could understand it was the house was there was a big room that everybody kind of stayed in for warmth and different things. There was a big room, but then there also was a rooftop where people would stay. We noticed this, I think, in the New Testament where it's, uh, sorry, Peter or Paul, it just slipped my brain completely, was up there, fell asleep, and had the, it was Peter, thank you, it was, had the sheet come down. He was on a rooftop sleeping, so it kind of gets the idea of that. And then some would say that that house, the main level, then there was a rooftop you could stay on, but underneath of a house, it's kind of like, we would call it our garage, but underneath of the house was where they kept animals. A lot of times animals were underneath of the house, so they say that, Mary could have been under the house of those people, of, of, their, of Joseph's relatives. So the Bible's saying Mary laid Jesus in a manger or that feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. In our American minds, we think, well, ho- where the hotel was, was full and so we couldn't stay there. And, and where do you keep animals? They're in a barn. So Jesus was obviously born in a barn, which could have been. I wasn't there. For sake of going through this study tonight, it's just, again, we're not exactly sure where Jesus was born. It could have been in a relative's house, in the lower level, in a, any, the animals were there, and there was a feeding trough. But then we do read that she brought forth her firstborn son. And then the way the text is written, it would seem that she 
wrapped him in swaddling clothes. That to me, if, if I'm reading that or just for face value, it means there would be no midwife there. She was there by herself. There was, and Joseph was useless as most men are. No, just kidding. But Joseph would have been there. But you understand, she, she took that baby. She had that baby and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in the manger. It doesn't appear that family members were there and to, 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 uh, to help in any way. So I want you to hold that thought for a minute because we're going to move on and talk about the shepherds and then I want to come back to this where again in light of the shepherds and maybe they give us some understanding of where. So let's go on to Luke chapter 2 verse 8. A couple verses here. And they were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Picture this. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Here, here we have shepherds out in the field doing what shepherds do. They were watching their sheep. We, we don't know how many were out there. We don't know how old they were. We don't know their names. We know they were shepherds. They were in a field watching their sheep, and it was night. That's about the facts we get from Scripture. I can imagine, let me go on with this for a moment, that they had done this quite a few times. This was their job. This is just what they do. It was just another night of watching their sheep, just another night at work, just another place they were supposed to be doing what was right in front of them to do their job. When an angel appeared and all this light begin to shine. Some would say it was because the Bible talks about that the angel came upon them, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It was almost like this ring of fire was around these shepherds or this, this light just enveloped them. And then the Bible says they were sore afraid. This is more than just, well, it was unnerved and they were startled a little bit. The, the connotation is they were absolutely terrified. And kudos to them. <laughs> I'd have been right there with them screaming, running, is what I'd have been doing. It's dark out there, and hear the eh, some crickets over here. Joe's, how'd your birthday go? Well, it went pretty good. You know, I had birthday cakes. Kids came over. That's good. Boom! And light everywhere. Well, thankfully, the angels started talking pretty quick. Don't be afraid. Got some good news. It's going to bring some great joy to you, and this is for everybody. It's amazing how God does things. I believe God is so precise, and he's so calculated. He came to lowly shepherds. Think of that alone in and of itself. The greatest news ever shared was given to some workers out in a field. Not to kings, not to preachers, not to scribes, not to teachers, not to the rich, not to the notable or famous people. Just some lowly workers out in a field. Then it was just not any workers. It was shepherds. And I don't want to stretch it too far, but Jesus is the Lamb of God. Who's more qualified than shepherds to welcome a lamb into the world? But verse 11 doesn't introduce him as Jesus, the Lamb of God. It says 
it introduced him as this was baby was born in Bethlehem. He was a savior, which is Christ the Lord. The one who was born for all to, to, to save us all from our sins. He's the anointed one. He's the chosen one. He's the Messiah. He is the Lord. He's the one that should be followed. That's who was born in Bethlehem. What we have here is the angel giving the shepherds, again, some very good news for the entire world, even for us today, that the angel says the baby was born today. Yes, in the city of David, which we know as Bethlehem. I know that during that time, Bethlehem was not very big, but still, if we go on to verse 12, just, just says there will be, this will be your sign you're going to know that you found him. It's going to be a baby. He's going to have swatting clothes and he's laying in a manger. Can I have an address? Can you at least point us? It's going to be that way. They're outside of town. Hey, the Magi got a star. They're supposedly smart guys. We're just lowly shepherds. Can you give us like a star? Where did they go? Born in Bethlehem. Oh, no, it wasn't very big, but lots of people were there. And I'm sure there's lots of troughs there, feeding troughs. It's like in, in Hazelwood. You'll find him in a booth at a restaurant. It ain't a real big town, but we're going to be searching a while. The angel didn't even tell them to go, however. The angel just gave them a little bit of information. But again, God knows who to tell. God knows who to use. Because jumping ahead, and you know the story, the, the shepherds win ultimately, but which then let me ask you the question again, what would you have done? Can God ask you? Can, can, he, can he just give you some information and you drop everything and pursue a higher calling? Does, does his word take priority in your life? The angel, that angel's done speaking. Oh, light. Behold, here, don't be afraid. Here's a child is born. You'll find him. And then verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Again, what do you think about this? Can you imagine one angel and all this light and then all of a sudden, how many is a multitude? A bunch. A whole bunch. You're at work outside in the dark and all of a sudden the sky and all this stuff, all these things are happening all at once. And then this big, I'll call them an angelic choir. They didn't sing, the Bible says, but this huge amount of angels were in the sky and they were praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Think of all that was said by that first angel and then by this multitude. It was good tidings. It was great joy. It was for everybody and, and it was going to bring peace don't ever forget what happened at that holy night in Bethlehem whether in the garage the basement a barn a cave a savior 
our Savior was born. That is good news. That brings great joy. That gives great peace. This is for everybody. A Savior has been born. Luke chapter 2, verse 15, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away, turned black again from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let's go now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary, and they found Joseph, and they found that babe lying in a manger. Again, God knows who to tell. The angels had declared, the show was over. The lights were out. They were standing back in the field watching sheep. Wow, that was nice. Wow, that's a good story to tell. That brought some excitement to our otherwise dreary shift we have with watching these sheep. No, the Bible said they didn't do that. The Bible said they looked at each other and said, oh, let's go now. Let's not wait one more second. We don't need morning. We don't need light. We, let's go now. Let's see all this that happened. The Lord has told unto us. Verse 16 says, and they took off. They came in a hurry. Not questioning, not second guessing. Well, if an angel came and told me something like that, I sure enough would do it. He has set his word above his name, let alone an angel. And I wonder how many times the Bible has declared things to us that we ignore or we just don't see it that way or we don't take time to discover it. And I know of people who have, who have seen angelic visitations and, and thank God for that. And I'm sure you're thankful for those things that gave you direction or gave you peace or spoke to you and, and, and thank God for that. But we have no excuse that God is not speaking to us. He, we have his word. I just have to ask the question, are we listening? Are we willing to listen? God knew to go to those shepherds because they were not even asked to go. Please remember that. They were not asked to go anywhere. But can I say they took off running to see what God had, had proclaimed to them through those angels. To see the information. They did his will with haste. Let me circle back around here to this where question. Where was Jesus born? So the somewhat vague information to the shepherds, a baby's born in a restaurant in a booth. Go find him in Hazelwood. He's born. Go look for a trough. You'll find a baby in it. This vague information. So the somewhat vague information of that, again, Luke 2.16 says, and they came with haste. They found Mary, Joseph, and the baby. To me, the verse is almost like they just, whoa, the angels, let's go, guys. And they took off running somewhere. Which then poses the question with that little bit of information, did they know where to go? The angel says he's in Bethlehem, drop everything, and they just took off running with haste and found him. 
again, it almost seems they may have known where to go. And to answer that question, again, these are all, we weren't there, but some would say, yes, they knew exactly where to go. Since we're just studying and exploring, let's, let's go down this path a minute. There are some ancient documents that said sheep could only be kept in wilderness areas of Israel. They definitely could not be just five miles outside of Jerusalem in a field there. This would lend then itself to the fact that maybe these were special sheep and maybe these were special shepherds. The sheep then, maybe these were the sheep that were used right up the road in sacrifice at the temple. These shepherds watched over sheep destined to be sacrifices at the temple. Let's look again at at, at Luke 2.11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Could it have been the message of the angel signified, among many other things, that the time of animal sacrifices would soon come to an end because the Messiah had come to save his people from their sins. The offering of Jesus Christ would soon take place. And again, skipping ahead, you have to follow along here for a moment, but skipping ahead, if I point out verse number 20, it tells us that the shepherds, after they saw Jesus, they returned glorifying and praising God. Eugene Peterson, who in, in the message, says it like this. These shepherds let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. So let me dig here for a second. If these shepherds would have been chosen and would have been trained to attend to the flock of sheep that were to be used at a sacrificial, as a sacrificial lamb in the temple, we know, according to the Old Testament, that these sacrificial lambs had to be spotless and without blemish. So they had to require special treatment to, in order to, uh, to be able to maintain that. And they, they had to be watched very carefully. So the sheep that were used for the offerings had to be a one-year-old male lamb without spot or blemish. And when they were ready, they were taken to Jerusalem to be sacrificed on the Sabbath in the temple. That is what some believe this particular flock of sheep were. And who these shepherds were. So continuing on with that thought, here's how this would go. When the mama sheep was getting ready to have that little lamb, these shepherds that were trained, they had a cave or they had a place they they would take this lamb or this ewe to give birth to this lamb for this sacrificial lamb and that cave was kept sterile and that cave was kept clean for the arrival of that newborn sacrificial lamb the newborn lamb was then immediately wrapped in clean swaddling cloths to protect them and keep them from blemish and danger 
swaddling cloths describing the Bible just was, was just pieces of cloth tied together by bandage like strips. So maybe that's how some people would say that's how when the declaration of the angels said, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. These shepherds who were trained in this knew exactly the place to go. But when they heard that a Savior had been born, when they heard all of those things connected together, they did take off with haste because they knew exactly where that cave was. They knew exactly where that was for the Lamb of God to be born. Again, we're studying the Word. I don't know. Luke 2, 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. These shepherds were so excited were so thrilled, they could not keep it to themselves. They began to share what the angel had told them concerning this child that they had found. And everybody that they met, they just told them this story. And everybody became amazed and they were awestruck. But Mary kept just pondering these things. She treasured these things and she was considering these things and storing these things up. I wonder if for Mary this was almost kind of a relief. Because she knew what the angel had said to her. And then she knew finally that the angel had talked to Joseph and that he agreed. And then she'd gone to meet her cousin Elizabeth and, and Elizabeth said some things and somewhat prophesied over her. So a small group believed her. But you know how we are. Is this really it? Did this really happen? Is, is this right? Was I, Am I... Is this right? Is this what God said? Am I carrying the Messiah? I'm not sure about all of these things because it wasn't easy. Because everybody poked fun and it wasn't easy because I had to march 68 miles to get here to have this kid. It wasn't easy in any way whatsoever. We fail when we think when God has given us a promise that it's going to be from here to there smooth sailing. And anytime there's a hiccup, we think, I didn't hear from God. But God will confirm his word. He will confirm what he has said. So we, we find this, these shepherds, strangers. Mary's there. Joseph's there, the baby's there, and complete strangers, workers out in a field came and said, an angel came and told me you had the Messiah in here. An entire angelic multitude came in the sky and told us the Messiah, we could find the Messiah here. What great confirmation to Mary that I'm on the right track. I did the right thing. Can imagine Mary again just replaying these things over and over. When she got a little bit discouraged, but the angel said this to me. When she just, this is hard. I didn't think this would be this hard. But those shepherds came to me and told me that. Ladies and gentlemen, never forget what God has confirmed in your life over and over and over and over and over. 
It may not be smooth sailing, but I promise you, God knows the way that you take, and he will send the confirmation along the way to let you know exactly to be in his will. God knew who to ask in Mary and Joseph. God knew who to tell when he told the shepherds who dropped everything and went and saw Jesus and then began to tell everybody what had happened to them. The rest of Luke 2 was telling uh, that they took Jesus to the temple and great things happened and, and uh, so many wonderful things. I, I'm going to hurry through. I'm going to skip to this next part. Let's go back to Matthew 2, 1. Let's talk about the Magi a little bit. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem. We probably have the wrong connotation when we hear the word wise men. We think of we three kings of Orient. Are, we, th- we see all these songs. They're, they're, they, that word Magi, probably more like and I don't even know what they mean by this, but magicians or sorcerers or uh, stargazers or I don't, we're not even sure what they, this all meant. But they probably were maybe from Babylon or Persia or Arabian desert. And they, again, we, we say three because of three gifts. There could have been two with an entourage and three gifts. There could have been 73 with three gifts that we, we don't know how many they were and exactly where they were from. But they did come to Jerusalem and here's why they came. Matthew 2, 2, saying, where is he that's born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we want to worship him. Maybe they knew this because of Numbers 24, 17. It says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corner of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Maybe that's, maybe they knew scripture, and they did know scripture somewhat, but maybe they were pulling things together. They studied these things, but they wanted to come to give reverence to this great king, Matthew 2, 3. When Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was a madman. He'd do anything to protect his power, and when he heard that a king of the Jews was born, he, he, was, he was upset, and so he called all of the the. the, the, the the people together, but he, before that, he said that the, the king. The scripture says that the king was upset, and all Jerusalem with him. And maybe Jerusalem was troubled at the news, or they were troubled because Herod was troubled, and they knew he's a maniac, and who knows what was going to happen. Matthew two four. And when he had gathered, when Herod got all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They gave him the right answer, these two groups that didn't really get along. They couldn't stand each other, it seems, and they fought a lot about stuff. But they came together, and they gave the right answer in Matthew 2, 5, 6. It says, he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least of the, among the princes of Judah, but out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Herod now had the place. Herod needed the time. Matthew 2, 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, he said, when did you all see that star? Tell me about this star. When did it appear? Wise men wanted to come and worship him, and Herod wanted to meet the king so he could kill him. Oh, what a difference. The answer given by the wise men is not recorded. We don't even know what the wise men say, but scholars speculate that if the wise men had come from maybe Babylon or something, the, the trip to Jerusalem would have been possibly 40 days. So, so follow along real, real quickly here. If they left soon after the star appeared, and if it's that exactly when, and if it, that appeared exactly when Jesus was born, which we don't know that, 
perhaps two months had passed or so had passed. Then again, it might have been much longer. The, the men might have needed to investigate what is this star? How long does it take here? We got to get our entourage together. We got to get here and we got to get to Jerusalem. What we do know, Matthew 2 16, look at this. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, after the wise men saw Jesus and went another way, he was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So it would seem this time frame from when these wise men saw the star to when they traveled to Jerusalem to when they met Jesus to when they left to the time Herod realized he had been outsmarted. I don't know all the time, but somehow it was two years in there somewhere. Because we understand this, because Herod killed everybody from two years old and under. So there was a two-year time frame. So I asked the question, why would God orchestrate magi clear from the east to take a two-year round trip to journey to see Jesus? Let's go Matthew, back to Matthew 2.8. And he, Herod, sent them, the wise men, to Bethlehem, and he said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you found him, bring me word again. I want to come and worship him, liar. <laughs> when they, the wise men, the entire entourage, whoever it was, had heard the king, they departed, and lo, that star, which they saw in the east, went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. Again, this star, what about this star? I've never seen a star point to a house. So what was this star that led them? And then was it so bright they could see it in the daytime? Did they only travel at nighttime? Did they, was this star some kind of a, just literally stood right over this house in a neighborhood? And so they knew that's where, I don't know what this star was. But we do know it was a supernatural sign for a purpose. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And yes, here I am. I'm going to tell you someday, Santa Claus may not be real either, but another problem with our nativity scenes. The wise men weren't there. He was a child in a house some two years possibly later that the wise men came. Makes a good song and Christmas story, though, so go ahead with it. Just not real biblical, but another problem with that. So, and maybe they were some sort of kings that fulfilled prophecies in Psalms and Isaiah. I don't know. I'm sure we could go on and on about all these things. But here's what I want to point out when we're talking about the Magi. Again, God knows who to tell. God knows who to choose. Was this so... It would confirm once again to Mary. Maybe she was struggling that day. Oh, this is hard. Did you really say that? And strangers from a complete other country come and said, where's the king? What a confirmation to her. Just again. And they presented the, these, these gifts to him. And 
how powerful that was and what a great time that was. And Matthew 2.12, it says about the Magi, and being warned of God in a dream that they should depart, that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Verse 13, watch this. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother. Flee into Egypt and be thou there until I give thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, departed into Egypt. And there was there, they were there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Joseph and Mary, this young couple, living now in Bethlehem, it would seem, in this little house, just a small town, maybe Joseph doing what he could. They're all poor. They're, they're enslaved by the, the Roman Empire, and they owed all these taxes, and they could, anybody was, everybody was poor and could just barely make ends meet. He has a dream in the middle of the night. He says, get everybody up and get out of here. Well, do I give, give a two-week notice to my job? Get up and get out. Do I call the electric company to at least turn the electricity off to the house? Get up and get out. And he gets up. The shortest distance is some 40 miles, some two- to three-day walk he went to Egypt. Here's my point. They didn't have debit cards. They didn't have credit cards. I, I doubt if he had a lot of cash on him. And some would say they stayed in Egypt three or four years. They still had to eat. They still had to live somewhere. They arrived in Egypt probably with very little. Scripture says, and when they, the Magi, had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This was not a blanket, a box of pampers, and a rattle. This was expensive items. Oh, how spectacular God is. All of these pieces, how are we going to do the will of God? He'll send magi from another country to fund it if he has to. His will will be worked. It's my job to say, do it unto me. As you, have, as you want. That's what Mary had said. That's what he, God knows who to choose. God knows who to call. And all of these pieces formed together and working out to bring Jesus into the world. But notice this. God used people to do it. And God knew who to ask to bring salvation to the world. As we stand. So you think there's, we're, there's hope. There is. A minute over. Again, I simply ask the question, what is he asking you to do? Will you be a part? Will you be a part to give birth to a miracle? Or like Joseph, to protect a miracle? Or like the angel, or like, the, I'm sorry, the shepherds to spread the good news about the miracle? Or like the magi to fund the miracle? I don't know where you fit in, but I promise you fit into his plan. He's waiting on us to say, God, you can ask me. I'll do what you want me to do. Pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your power. We thank you, God, that we are privileged to work in your kingdom. 
I pray, oh God, that you would give us boldness, give us help, give us strength, Lord, to do your work, to do your will. Lord, when you say go, we want to go. When you reveal a plan, we want to do your work. We want to do your plan, Lord, even though it may not make sense in our own minds. But, Lord, if you sent Magi from another country to fund the way for Mary and Joseph, we know that you can do miracles beyond our own comprehension or whatever we could even conjure up. We're going to trust you, Lord, that what you've called us to do, you will make sure that everything pans out because you're in charge of all things. We're going to trust you, believe in you, and we thank you for it, O God. We give our praise to you, our thanks to you. We love you, Jesus, and we praise your great name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great evening.